Do you want to be a part of what could be the biggest evangelistic event in American history? Greg Laurie is our guest this week, sharing about his heart behind the upcoming Harvest America gathering in Dallas, Texas. It's all on episode 35 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Thanks for tuning in to episode 35 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Our guest this week is Greg Laurie. Greg is the pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, one of the largest churches in America. And Greg has shared with us about his upcoming Harvest America Conference in AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas, which has the potential to be the largest evangelistic event in American history. You'll want to hear Greg's heart for Harvest America and find out how you might be able to get involved. And now, here's our conversation with Greg Laurie. Well, Greg, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Andrew, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Greg, you know, we're, we're taping this at the, at the start of a new year, and uh, what are some ways that you're preparing your heart for ministry in 2016? Well, basically, you know, the uh, beginning of the year is always a great time to just sort of look forward as to what you're going to be teaching and uh, what you're going to be sharing with the people, and so... Uh, like most pastors, I'm I'm doing some Christmas-themed sermons right now, but I recently did one on all that is happening in the world because of this uh, terrorist attack in San Bernardino, which is nine miles from our church. In fact, the terrorists that were involved, the man in particular, Saeed Farouk, I believe his name is, uh, actually was raised in Riverside. That's the city our church is in. So, you know, people are alarmed and concerned, so... Uh, I did a message called, What in the World is Happening? It's actually on our website at harvest.org. But just to kind of deal with the fears that people have. But then as we start the new year, I'm sort of planning what I'm going to be teaching on. And, uh, and of course, a lot of what we're involved in right now at our church is, is kind of January is a countdown to March 6th, which is the big event we're doing at the AT&T Stadium in Dallas called Harvest America. And this is the largest evangelistic event we've undertaken, and it actually has the potential to be one of the largest evangelistic events in American history because it's simulcast to churches all around the country, uh, arenas, churches, theaters, front rooms. But we uh, help people get organized to receive this signal, and as we're preaching the gospel there at the stadium in Dallas, and that stadium seats upwards of 100,000 people, uh, they have the potential uh, to receive that signal in their sanctuary or wherever they are. And then when I'm inviting people to Christ in the stadium, I'm in effect inviting them to Christ right there in their churches. And so, you know, we will have a sense of how many people are in attendance because we kind of keep this organized and people can communicate with us. And if they want to know more, they can go to harvestamerica.com. So for us at Harvest, that's kind of on the top of our priority list, but I'll still be starting a new series on spiritual warfare from Ephesians 6 in the beginning of the year, and then we will decide where we go from there. Yeah, and if, uh, if somebody's listening that wants to be a part of the Harvest America, is there, is there still time for them to be a site that um, they, could, they could broadcast that in their church? Absolutely, yeah. They just go to harvestamerica.com, and there they'll get all the information they need, and they can even make personal contact with one of our... Uh, folks that are representing us, and, and we'll tell you everything you need to know about making this event a successful event. You know, what's really cool about it is, you know, a small church could take this and make this their evangelistic event for 
for the year or for the month or whatever it is they're doing. Because, you know, we have an incredible lineup of music. Chris Tomlin, Lecrae, Mercy Me, Switchfoot are doing the music, and I'm sharing an evangelistic message. But then some churches will have their own music. And it, so it's more of a live event, and then they'll take the direct video feed uh, from, from Harvest America. And people are very excited when they know it's a live event, sort of like a Super Bowl for Christians. You know, uh, once a year, you know, all of America kind of participates in this event at the same time. And that's what Harvest America is. We can all participate in it simultaneously. And, and we have seen thousands of people come to Christ in these video events where, where the gospel goes out. You know, I don't know why it is, Andrew, but there's a funny thing about music and preaching and video that I've discovered. For some reason, music doesn't communicate as well over video as preaching does. And maybe because music is participatory, where you need... You know, if it's worship especially, it's hard to sing along with a guy in a video screen. But preaching is more you sit and listen. And, and we have found, uh, like when we do, we have our, you know, our satellite churches like many do. And so we do everything live except the message. So there's live worship and pastors there. And the whole service would operate like a, like a normal church service. But then we'll take the video feed of the message. And so we have found that video preaching of the gospel is very effective and people will literally get up and walk forward while I'm talking to them on the screen. It does work. We've seen it for ourselves. And that's awesome. It's so great to hear about such a powerful evangelistic event. I know evangelism is something that has been a focus for you for so many years, and you actually have a new book coming out. Uh, yes, I do. I'm calling Tell Someone. Um, tell us how that book came about. Well, I was approached by the folks over at Lifeway, and they have a, their publishing division is B&H Books. And and they asked me to do a book on evangelism and a film series. And we just completed the film series that will be available through Lifeway and then the book, B&H Publishing, part of Lifeway, as I said. And uh, I love the challenge of it because they asked me to write a book on evangelism, but I had 30,000 words to work with. Now, that sounds like a lot of words, but actually it isn't in a book. Uh, it's a relatively small book. So I had to sort of take out that which was not essential, and really get down to the core of my beliefs on the topic. And so I approached it differently. Normally when I read a book, it's a transcription of a sermon series that I did. I just finished a book called The Greatest Stories Ever Told. It's 850 pages, and it's a transcription of messages that I did from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, so that's a certain kind of book, and that's more typical of the books I write. But I decided to tell someone I wasn't going to preach it first. I was going to write it first. So it was sort of the reverse of what I normally do. And, then, and as I wrote it, I decided I was going to write it in a very straightforward, honest way, meaning that I would include my failures as well as a few of my successes and things I've learned from experience, and that I would write as though I was speaking to an individual. You know, when I teach, I'm speaking to a crowd of people. But I wrote as though someone were sitting across the table and we're having a cup of coffee together, and I was doing effectively a brain dump on evangelism with them. And trying to, I'm going back to my earliest days as a Christian and my attempts to share my faith, and, and certain principles that I have found really make a difference in sharing one's faith. And so it was a great challenge, and, and it's gone through a lot of edits. Uh, I think it may be one of the most important books I've ever written. Well, and... 
And is, is there a time in your life, uh, you talked about when you were an early Christian, but was there a time in your life when evangelism became more of a focus for you, where you really kind of dialed it in? Uh, no, I don't think there was. I think that from the day of my conversion, I wanted to reach people just like a normal Christian, and I would go out and start sharing my faith, and I had the privilege at you know, after being a believer for only a few months, to lead someone to Christ. I, I was so new to all of it, I literally read the booklet, The Four Spiritual Laws of Them, without commentary, because I hadn't even fully processed the whole gospel message yet. So I read it. And when I was done, the lady I was reading it to wanted to accept Christ, and I realized the power of the gospel. And uh, so early on in my ministry, I felt like I might be called to be an evangelist, and I rediscovered Billy Graham. Of course, I listened to him growing up like many people did, you know, watching him on television. But, but I rediscovered him now as a Christian, and, and I felt that this was my calling, not to do what he did in stadiums, but to share my faith. And so I, it was something I, I started to do immediately. I was traveling with Christian bands around the country and giving evangelistic messages, and I felt that was what I was called to do. But uh, a door opened for me uh, up in Riverside, California, and I was living in Orange County at the time of a group of people that needed a pastor for a Bible study. And I went up and began to teach it and quickly ran through my evangelistic messages. And, and this group began to grow, and they started to call me pastor. And this is back in, like, 1972. So startup churches were not common back then. This was a whole new thing we were doing. And it was contemporary at that time. And so as I was teaching... Uh, this group grew, and I realized God was calling me to be a pastor. And I entered into a time of conflict. Well, am I a pastor who is an evangelist, or am I an evangelist who's a pastor? And because I really, in my heart, still wanted to be an evangelist, but I did love teaching the Bible, and I did love helping people grow spiritually and watching over them as a pastor does. Well, as time passed, I just like didn't let it be a conflict anymore. I just realized I'm called to do both. And others have been called to do both. Why can't I be called to do both as well? I mean, Paul the Apostle was a pastor as well as an evangelist. Uh, and so I realized that I could do the same. And, but then in 1990, the door opened for us to go out and do these large evangelistic events that we call Harvest Crusades that are really leading to Harvest America today. So I've been able to do both, but I have to say that I love to preach the gospel. I love to be in a stadium and proclaim Christ. But my sweet spot, my happy place, for lack of a better word, is just teaching the Bible to people. I love that, and I love being a pastor, and so it's a great privilege to be called to do both. Mm. That was a very long answer, wasn't it? I know that was a great answer. Um, You ask a preacher a question, he gives you a sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I find I don't need very many questions for these podcasts. Um, You know, Greg... uh, I think a lot of people, you know, in a lot of churches, if they think about evangelism, they think, well, let's just create a church where where lost people want to come to. And I think that's an issue that you you bring up in your book, is is evangelism has to be more than just creating churches that that lost people um, want to come to. And so can you tell us about how, how you think about that? Well, I believe we should have a church that lost people can come to. And, and I think it's a very important thing that that the folks in our church who are believers will bring with them non-believers that don't know the Lord to hear the gospel. But I think there are very clear things you can do to develop an evangelistic culture in a church. It doesn't happen by accident. I think it's intentional on the part of the pastor. 
And I would say, for starters, you need to uh, realize the importance of of the gospel. You need to have a confidence in the gospel and know that it is the power of God unto salvation. And and you need to give a presentation of it. Now, I'm not suggesting that every sermon is an evangelistic sermon. I think our job as pastors is to feed the flock of God. And as Paul said to Timothy, it is to preach the word. But having said that, I think that any message we give can have some kind of presentation of the gospel. So uh, I think we need to understand when we're talking to a non-believer that we need to break it down in a language they understand. A lot of times we'll never leave our Christianese, and one of the reasons people don't accept Christ is because they don't know what we're asking them to do. Often what I'll do, Andrew, is I'll be giving a message, and I'll, you know, I'm projecting because I'm speaking to a group of people, but then I'll come to the end, and, and I'll just totally change my tonality, and I'll become more conversational. So I'll finish my message, and then I'll say, let me just say a word to you that are visiting for the first time. Maybe you don't really know if Christ is living in you. Maybe you don't have the hope of eternal life, and you don't even understand a lot of what has been said. But let me just say this to you right now. If there is a God in heaven who loves you, and, and I just bring the gospel as though I were talking to a non-believer one-on-one. And so I want them to understand what I'm saying. And, you know, the believers can listen and learn from that as well. But I think one of the greatest things that can happen in a church service is when people accept Christ. And, and I'm really a proponent of the invitation uh, when we invite people to, to make a public profession. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, so to speak. You can, uh, you can have people stand up and pray. Uh, you, can, you can send them to a room to pray. You can have them come forward while a song is sung and, and lead them in prayer in front of everybody. But I think it's a wonderful thing when you have an opportunity for people to come to Christ and and I think if you have a church that does not have a flow of non-believers coming in on a regular basis, you're going to have a church that is beginning to stagnate. I think we have a choice before us. It's evangelize or fossilize. Mm-hmm. And, and I know a lot of people, you know, I hear people that, that are Christians who kind of say, you know, that's great. I think some people are called to be evangelists, but it's just not my gift. I don't like doing it. I don't feel I'm good at it. Yeah. Um, what do you say to you know people, maybe even in your church, who might say, it's just not my gift. I, I'm glad that you like that, but, but it's not my thing. Well, I think it's true that there is a gift of the evangelist. Uh, in Ephesians 4, we read about God's given, you know, apostles and prophets and pastor teachers and evangelists for the work of the ministry. So there is a calling of evangelists. But having said that, every Christian is called to evangelize. In fact, we are commanded to in the Great Commission, which is twofold. The Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, that's Mark's version, and then to make disciples of all nations, that's Matthew's version. So to put it together, every follower of Jesus is commanded by Christ to go out and proclaim the gospel and to the best of their ability, lead people to Christ, help those people get up on their feet spiritually and go out and repeat the process again and again. That's why we call it the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. But for many, the Great Commission is really the Great Omission. We don't do it. And in my book, Tell Someone, I make a provocative statement, and I say, I believe it can be a sin to not share our faith. And someone might say, well, you know, I think you're going too far with that. Well, wait, you know, there are sins of commission and omission. 
A sin of commission is when we do something we should not do, like breaking a commandment. But a sin of omission is when we don't do what we should do. And James says, to him that knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So if I were walking down the street and there was a house on fire and I heard someone in the house screaming for help, if I were to keep walking, would that be an acceptable reaction? I mean, that's to me like criminal. I mean, at the very least, I should call 911 and maybe even try to run on the house and save them. But here we have people that are apart from Christ, and if we believe the Bible, literally headed to hell. And if we don't even lift a finger to share our faith, that to me is an act of disobedience. And so what I try to do in my book, Tell Someone, is help people understand that evangelism isn't as hard as we think it is. And then I even take it a step further and say evangelism can be fun. You know, it's a happy thing to do. In fact, Andrew, the happiest Christians I know are evangelistic Christians. And the unhappiest Christians I know are the nitpicky kind that are always arguing over theological minutiae and I think missing the big picture. You know, an old country preacher named Vance Hafner once said, if we're too busy using our sickles on each other, we're going to miss the harvest. Mm. But sometimes I think in the church we're, we're arguing theological points, and there's a place for that, but we're missing the big picture of a lost world that needs to hear the gospel. And, and that's something I think the church, many in the church, need to rediscover today. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the leaders that are listening to this um, you know, I think one of the first steps they can take is to make sure that they have evangelism training in place, um, that there, there should be a rhythm in their churches to equipping those who evangelize. What are some of the ways that you at Harvest, that you have, you equip um, your people to, to do evangelism well? Well, I think you need to, you know, you need to keep it in, in your preaching. You know, it's been said if there's uh, a miss in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. So I think uh, the preacher has to be the leader. And, and you know, your people are going to get a burden for evangelism if you have a burden for evangelism. And so one question I often ask pastors is, when's the last time you shared your faith? Not as a so-called professional, not from behind the pulpit as a preacher, but just as a Christian out and about in regular life. When's the last time you engaged someone with the gospel? So I think it has to start with us. As Spurgeon once said, they will be moved if you're first moved yourself. So, you know, we, we have to have that burden. And before Paul started preaching in, in Athens, in Acts 17, to the folks gathered on Mars Hill, we read that his spirit was stirred. And I think we need to have our hearts and spirits stirred. So that means that we as a pastor uh, are giving invitations in our message. I don't care what topic you're speaking on, you can always find a way at the end to wrap it up with an evangelistic point and a hook and give people an opportunity to believe. So I think, you know, we need to do that. I think, A, we need to be doing evangelism personally as Christians, B, doing it in the pulpit, and then C, encouraging our people to do it. Because going back to Ephesians 4, he raises up apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So my job is not to just teach and educate. My job is also to stimulate and motivate. And so I should be equipping people, helping them to be ready, as Scripture says, to give to every man an answer. And as far as a resource, that's exactly what this new book is. That You can buy these books in bulk, and the folks over at Lifeway have designed this for churches to bring in. You can have, like, a show the film series where I teach on evangelism. 
and then they have this book as a guide, and then there's going to be a workbook, and you can have uh, small groups to meet together and discuss this. And, and, you know, and as I wrote it, Andrew, I might add, I really wrote it in a church-centric way. You know, a lot of times evangelistic organizations are parachurch. And by that I mean, you know, they operate largely outside of the church. But I wrote this from the perspective of a pastor, because I'm from the church, and I want to help the church, because long after events come and go, the church remains. And I believe in the church, and I want to do everything I can to support it. So even in the way I wrote the book, it it really... uh, focuses the the reader to think about bringing people to their church. And so if someone was going through this book, tell someone, and so the film series, the focus is bring someone to your church. In other words, a church that is sponsoring this uh, study on the topic of evangelism, because I want to help local churches grow. And I believe our churches should be growing both spiritually and numerically, you know, because Acts chapter 2 talks about the church that changed the world, and it says that the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. And I believe that new believers are the lifeblood of the church. And if you don't have a constant flow of new believers coming in, as I said already, your church will stagnate. This is just the way it is. Yeah, and I think another thing, you know, as we think about motivation for evangelism, um, one of the messages that I hear just kind of as a heart message in your ministry that, that you, you that you talk about quite a bit is the return of Christ, you know, the soon return of Christ. And we see this throughout the church age that we're, we're talking about anticipating the coming of Christ and that it's one of the reasons why we, you know, should take advantage of every moment. What does that mean to you as far as um, helping people see that, that Christ could come back any moment, any hour, and that that is motivation uh, for this work of evangelism? Yeah, well, that's a great question. You know, I do believe in the imminent return of Christ, and I do believe it because of that, that I should do everything I can to reach as many people as I can while I can. And, you know, Jesus said that we should work while it is the day, for the night is coming when no man can work. And so I think if we believe Christ could come at any time, that we should try to win people to him. But having said that, you know, there might be some of your listeners that would have a different view in their eschatology. And, you know, but here's the thing. Though we don't know when the end of the world is coming, we know this, the end of everyone's world will come. And young or old, life will end. And, you know, just a huge event that impacted my life dramatically next to my conversion was the death of my son seven years ago. And uh, I loved my son with all of my heart, and we were very close, and he was killed in an automobile accident. And, you know, when something like that happens, it just brings you so face-to-face with mortality. And and when you have someone as close to you as a child who dies, you know, from that moment on, it's like you have a foot in heaven already. Like part of you is in heaven, in a sense. And so it really affected me. It affected me as an individual, and it affected my wife, and it affected my other son, who's now in ministry and wasn't headed that way before. And, and it affects... Uh, me and everything that I do because I just realize I don't know when life will end for the person I'm speaking to. You know, we think, oh, they're in their 80s. I better give them the gospel. Yeah, you should, but you know what? They might be eight. They might be 18. I think there should be an urgency because, you know, when we get up in front of a group of people, we don't know what's going to happen with each of those people. And as one preacher said, we should preach as a dying man to dying men and just have an urgency because someone listening to you might be coming to the end. And 
let's not miss that opportunity to tell them how to come into a relationship with God. So that's something that does motivate me. But yes, the imminent return of Christ motivates me as well. Yeah, let's and let's look at practice for a second here. You know, um, you know, say you found yourself in like you know, I know the the illustration that we all use is is on an airplane, and you're seated beside someone, and it, you just kind of get a vibe of man, this person probably doesn't know the Lord, yeah. and and you feel in your heart, I want to just try to name Christ here. What what would you do personally? Like, kind of just walk us through how you would think about it, how you would how you would uh, invite that person to Christ. Okay, well, let's get the scenario down. So, is our plane crashing? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, oh, excuse me. Are we just on an airplane and I'm engaging a person? Are we in an airplane that is going down? <laughs> tell me, then I'll tell you what I'd do in each circumstance. Yeah, let's, let's just, hey, I would like to hear your answer to both. Okay, well, let's just start with uh, just someone seated next to me. Uh, you know, what I do, I believe in, and I mentioned this in my book, I, I like to chum. You know, it's a fishing term. You know, and, and not, I want to turn to a person and say, hi, do you know Jesus Christ? Uh, it'd be more like um, uh, to talk, hey, how you doing? What's your name? You know, where are you going to? All oh, that's great. Let's talk about different things. And I'm looking for opportunities to engage them. And so I might just, you know, say something like, well, you know, I remember when I prayed about this or, uh, or you know, wow, you know, if the topic of what's going on in the world comes up, I'll say, well, I'm sure glad that I know that God's in control. Or you might just say something sort of chumming, like, and they might come back and say, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, that is really what Jesus did with the woman at the well. You know, he sits there and waits for her to arrive at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and says, give me a drink, and they engage in conversation. And he says, if you knew who it was, was that was talking with you, you would ask him, and he'd give you living water. And then she responds, well, what do you mean living water? So he's, you know, he was drawing her out. So I think in evangelism, one-on-one, especially if you're seated next to a person for five hours, you don't hit them with everything you have. Because, you know, that's going to be a very awkward conversation if they don't want to engage. And so I just, um, I'll ease into it a bit and try to build a bridge. I think in evangelism, the objective is always to build a bridge, not burn one. And sometimes I'll ask a person a few questions, and as they opine, you know, I may not agree with what they're saying, but I'll let them express their opinions. And then when they're done, I'll come back with what I believe and what the Bible says. And so it's kind of a give and take, you know. Preaching from a pulpit is a monologue. Sharing our faith one-on-one is a dialogue. So I think it's important to listen to the person we're speaking to and then engage them with an appropriate presentation of the gospel and sort of sow the seed. But then there are times that people are really ready to believe, you know, and we need to be aware of those things. I was in a restaurant recently, and the, the server that was helping us has helped us before, and she said, hey, I need to know when your church services are. Uh, and we said, well, why are you going to come? She said, yes, I need to get right with God. And, and I just felt prompted by the Spirit. I don't do this with everyone, but I felt prompted by the Spirit to say, no, you're not going to wait till church on Sunday to do that. You're going to do it right here, right now. And she said, here? I said, right here. I'll lead you in prayer, and you can accept Christ. And that's what I did. And after we were done praying, she said, oh, I feel so happy. You know, that can happen. So you need to look for those opportunities. Okay, so... That's kind of just seated next to someone. Let's just say now we're talking, and um, and the captain says, uh, this plane is going to make a crash landing. And, and, you know, maybe this is a dramatic thing where this plane is going down, and you realize this plane is going down. Honestly, to my seatmate, I think even to people within earshot, I would probably just proclaim the gospel. What have I got to lose? If we land, 
People say, wow, you sure were aggressive, but if we don't land and we crash, man, life and death is hanging in the balance there. And, you know, and I think everyone not only should be able to give it a presentation of the gospel, but I think they should be able to do it in three minutes or less. You know, just like, boom, cut to the chase. We don't need opening statements. We don't need cute illustrations. We just need the gospel and tell a person how to believe. And I would just say to everyone, you know what? I want to tell everybody in this plane right now that heaven is real and there is an afterlife. And many of us are going to enter into eternity in just moments. And if you want to know that you will go to heaven, you need to understand Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth and died on the cross for your sin and rose again from the dead. And if you'll turn from your sin and believe in him right now, he'll forgive you. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want Jesus in your life, pray this prayer with me wherever you are. Trust me, people would pray. The worst thing that would happen is embarrassment. The best thing that would happen is you'd arrive in heaven with some new converts near you. Wow. That, I mean, it's just a powerful thought. I mean, to think through... You know, being in a situation like that, and I think a lot of us, we don't think about what would we do in that situation, but now hearing your answer, I'm like, yeah, that is exactly what I would want to do. So, Well, Greg, thank you so much for, for being with us on the Churchers podcast today. We will link to Harvest America, the conference that's coming up here in March, and, and, and for a lot of uh, our pastors and ministry leaders that are listening, hopefully they'll get involved and, um, and just continue to join you in the work that you're doing. So thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me on, and, and I'd welcome anybody that wants to participate, and I really believe it will be a blessing to your church, and it's really free. The only cost is just in getting, you know, hooking it up to your big screen system or whatever it is you have in your church and so forth. So go to harvestamerica.com for more information, and hey, check out that new book coming out from B&H Publishing, Tell Someone in the new film series by the same name, and hopefully that'll be a blessing for your people as well and a blessing for you as a pastor. I respect all the pastors and leaders out there. I've been doing it for over 40 years, and I want to do everything I can to help them. Well, thanks so much. And we'll, we'll link to the, to the book and the videos as well. So thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Greg Laurie for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes, and consider sending this episode to someone you know who might be blessed by its message. Make sure to download the show notes for this episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. The show notes always include resources mentioned in the show and links to some of our guest top content on churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.